Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church Podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. I want to tell you a brief story, and then we'll jump in. I have a three-year-old, and he's very sweet. And the other night, um, me and Mama were putting him to bed. And I don't know where he got this from, boy. He says, I don't know where he heard this. He must have heard me say it, but I don't remember. But I didn't bribe him. I didn't bait him. I didn't whisper in his ear. I, he, we were sitting there, and he looked to Mama, and he smiled. And you know what he said? He said, Mommy, you're pretty, and you're beautiful. And you're a good mommy. And he gave her a hug and kiss. And I thought, man, I'm a good dad. Like, I don't know if he learned that from me. I don't know where that came from. I don't know what, what, that, what that came from. But mama was on cloud nine. Mama was happy. And then he turned to me and smiled. And he said, Daddy, you're fat. <laughs> I said, wait, what? <laughs> Smiling? Not, not you're kind of fat. He just said, you're fat. So not sure if this is being said around the household. When daddy's not around, not sure if the neighbors are saying it, not, not sure if someone in the lobby said it and he picked it up. Not sure quite where he got that from, but this is the time of year. We're all thinking that. We're all thinking, how, how, how much damage did Christmas actually inflict on me, okay? We're in a series called Reset because that's kind of what we like to do this time of year. It's a natural time of year. We're like, maybe I'm doing this diet. Maybe I'm doing this new habit, this New Year's resolution. Whatever it is, that's what we're thinking about. Is anyone doing like Whole30? One brave soul. Two. Yeah, there you go. Um, what about, I don't know, what's cool? Uh, how about the, uh, the keto? Anyone doing keto? Y'all are just staring at me. Y'all are like, I do donuts. What does that mean? Um, I can, it's fine. That's completely fine. Um, Whole 30 is a new cool thing. It's, it's this specific diet, good natural foods, 30 days. I'm introducing a new one. I told you last week, I'm going to give you more details next week. It's going to be called Whole Pizza right? So if you want to join, yeah, clap in the back. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you more details next Sunday, but if you're interested, come on, we can do this together. We can go on this journey together, this weight loss journey together, but let's reset a little bit. If you're like me, you didn't leave December refreshed, right on. It would be nice to start the new year like, oh, we didn't spend much money this month. We're rested. We have a lot in the tank. If you're like me, you probably don't. If you're like me in December, you spent a lot of money. You, you were maybe drained in tax relationally, emotionally, and you're coming into the new year not exactly refreshed. That's why we need a reset. That's why we need a reset. Today, we're going to do something fun. Let's reset our view of rest. Anybody want to talk about rest today? Now, this is not a sermon where I'm going to tell you, you should sleep more for 30 minutes. That's not a bad idea, but we're going to talk more about rest than just sleeping, even though sleep is a good thing. When I mean rest, I mean rest. I mean restoration, recreation. I mean, I mean stillness, not storms. Y'all, I'm talking about calm and not chaos. I want this to be a place of rest. I say all the time, we have a culture of rest. And I really mean that. I want you to come and rest. I want this to be a place you don't got to put on a front, put on a show, put on a, like you're, you know what I'm saying? You're pulling up and the kids are fighting and you're fighting with your spouse. And it's like, shut up, we're at church, okay? And it's like, get it together for an hour. And then the fight can resume on the way to Cracker Barrel or Citrus. Not talking about that. Let's be real. Let's be authentic. I want that to be a place for you. This to be a place for you, this middle school. In addition, I want your group to be a place 
of rest. I want you to be able to let your hair down and then not be a holy huddle of, well, I interpret it this way and I know more than you do. No, no, no. I just want us to be authentic, real community, investing in others, them invest in you. That will give us rest. I think one of the reasons we're restless is because we're not using our gift. Nothing is worse than if you have this passion, this gift, and you're just sitting on it. So some of y'all need to join the A team. You need to get involved because you're maybe you're creative or you want to set up and tear down or you love kids, but you're not using your gift. It can make us stir crazy. We want you to rest. Even if you join a team, we have our, your own service, volunteer service, full experience because we want to make sure you rest. Let's pray and we'll jump into the text. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for this rainy day. We thank you that we can be here to celebrate you and your goodness and your faithfulness. God, teach us to rest. We are terrible at it. Father, we see in your word that you rest. You're not tired, but you rest. God, help us learn to rest. Help us to be like you and to be made more Christ-like each and every day. We love you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, we approach you and we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to say something controversial. Can I? Can I say something controversial? It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be tired. It's not showing weakness. It's not showing you don't have it in you. It's not showing you're a bad person. It's okay to be tired. But that's controversial today because we don't like to talk about it. But y'all, I want to give you permission to be tired. It's okay to need rest. It doesn't show weakness. The strongest person to ever walk the face of the earth, Jesus Christ, also the wisest, by the way, he rested. He didn't do all things to all people. He didn't see every single city, every single person. He didn't heal every single sick person. He rested. He got up early and went away to do quiet time. He said, guys, I need some time. Y'all go ahead and do y'all sing. I need to talk to God right here. If you look at his life, we don't really, it doesn't really line up with ours. I never see him rushing. I never really see him stressed. He seems to be at a different pace than us. We have a lot to learn. It's okay to rest. It's okay to rest. Before we go to the text, I want to give you some context. There's this word in Hebrew that we translate peace. Now, I don't mean like peace, peace out, you know, whatever, but peace. And if I say peace to you, you may think like peace, man, like herbal tea, peace, relaxing. That's cool. This Hebrew word is a word that means it's, 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 it's shalom. Can somebody say shalom? Shalom means wholeness and completeness and thriving in every aspect of life. Relationally, your marriage, your family, um, everything, spiritually, physically, mentally, in all areas of life. And what I'm about to show you is Jesus's shalom was shattered. His shalom was shattered. Something terrible happened, and we're about to talk about it right now. But some of y'all, your shalom is shattered. Maybe there's some relational strain on your marriage. Maybe it's a financial burden you haven't even told anybody about. Maybe you have that physical illness. We're all kind of unraveling in some sense. Jesus knows exactly how you feel. Let's talk about this. Let's see what he had to say. You see, his friend, John the Baptist, he, this was a religious guy. This guy kind of led the way for Jesus. He told everyone about Jesus. And it's kind of like what John the Baptist did, Jesus did next, right on. G, John the Baptist kind of led the way for Jesus. And John the Baptist had just been arrested and executed. And Jesus talked about it frequently. He knew at some point he was going to suffer and die. So I think this hit him home. John the Baptist was beheaded. And you know what Jesus did next? 
You know what he did? He peeled his robe off and he had the Superman shirt. He had the S on the chest and he said, the S stands for savior, baby. The world needs me. And you know what he did? He helped a lot of old ladies across the street more than normal. And he helped a lot of kitties out from the tree. And he turned it up because he said, the world needs me. I'm Jesus. Everybody depends on me. Is that what he did? No, it's not what he did. Y'all know your Bible. Good for you. See, that's how we might react. Because some of us have a savior complex, a, a, a Messiah complex. Sometimes we think it all depends on me, me, me. And if I'm not working, if I'm not grinding, if I take a day off, the world might actually collapse. It's ironic we call that a Messiah complex, but the actual Messiah knew how to rest. He knew how to take a day. Look what he did. This terrible event just happened. Matthew 14, 13. Did Jesus say, I need to turn it up. My time's limited. 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. I thought he was strong. That's how we would view strength is working our fingers to the bone. But sometimes the greatest strength is knowing when to walk away. Went to take a step back, went to say, I need my true source of strength. And that is my God. I need to go spend some time with him. That is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. So don't miss it. John hears, Jesus hears the news. And he says, I got to be alone. He goes on a boat this way. The crowd, they're onto him and they're running around trying to meet him where he's going to go. This is every parent has felt this, except with Jesus, this is like 20,000 people. The parents know what I'm talking about. You just want five minutes in the bathroom. You just want to, you just want to sit down for a minute or heaven forbid, take a shower. And then the second you get in there, it's the zombie apocalypse. There's scratching on the door. There's knocking. There's little fingers coming up from the door. There's objects being thrown under the door. You're just like, I just want a minute. I just fixed it. Amen. I just want a minute. This happened on a grand scale to Jesus Christ, because look, look what happens when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them. Sometimes we parents don't have compassion, but Jesus did. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. This is like 20,000 people. This isn't one guy's like, hey, can we talk for a few minutes? 20, a huge crowd is waiting for him. And Jesus, we don't have time to read all about it, but Jesus proceeds in this emotionally broken state to do one of the greatest miracles he ever did. He fed 5,000 men, probably 20,000 people together with a few loaves and a few fishes. He multiplies them. He feeds them. He's teaching. He's healing. It's amazing. Look what happens next. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. I came to tell you, you got to be intentional. It's not going to come for you. It's not going to come easy. Nobody's going to hand it to you. You have to dismiss some things in order to rest. Jesus had to dismiss the disciples. He had to dismiss the 20,000 people for him to finally get away. Some of y'all are waiting. I'll rest when things slow down. You're going to be waiting a long time. You need to intentionally and very strategically dismiss some things to rest. What do I mean? You might have to dismiss your email. Say, I'm not checking it on the weekends. You might have to dismiss and turn your phone off. You might have to dismiss all those, all those overcommitments that you made a year ago because you didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but you know it's dragging your family down. You might need to dismiss some things to focus on the best things. 
Do y'all remember when we were kids, this thing called nap time? Y'all remember that? It was the worst thing ever. It was torture. Parents know what I'm talking about. Someone would come to you every day and they say, all right, it's nap time. And they turn off the light and they'd hand you a blankie and they say, sit down and rest. And it was torture. Could you imagine if someone did that for you today? It's two o'clock. It's a board meeting or you're doing this or you're, you're running, meeting this client. And someone comes in and turns off the light and says, okay, nap time. Lay down. Here's your blankie. I don't want to hear it. One hour. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> that would be amazing. We didn't know how good we had it. We had it made, y'all, and we absolutely didn't appreciate it. Do you ever find it's tough to get away? Jesus did too. He didn't heal everybody. He said no to some things. He got up early to slip away to spend time with God. He slipped away to rest. What makes you think you have to do it all? What makes you think you have to do it all? Where'd you get that from? That your house always has to be clean. That you have to say yes to every social event and a little thing on Facebook. That you can't let anyone down. That you committed to that lunch two months ago, but you don't want them to be mad at you, so you have to go. Who made you think you have to do it all? Moms, I want to ask you, who made you think that the house has to be spotless before you can go to bed? I'm just asking. I'm cool with the mess. I'm like, I'm fine with that. But sometimes I think we need to do this. I think we need to trade the dirty sink for our sanity. We need to get away and say, you know what? I'm cool with the cobwebs. I'm cool with the mess. I'm cool with that over there. It's not how I want it, but I got to keep my brain intact. Leave the saucer. Keep your sanity. That's what I want y'all to try to do. I think social media makes us compare, compare, compare. Is there a mom here who struggles with this? Be honest with me. Are there a few moms in the house who struggle with this? Cool. We, I got you something. Mr. Rogers, would you come here? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. We got you an hour massage. This is for you. Way to sit up front. On behalf of all the moms, we love you. You're doing a good work. You're investing in the next generation. We want to have a model of rest. It's easy to talk about that. We wanted to express it to you. You're doing good work. Don't give up. Don't give up. And Hubs is going to watch those kids, aren't you, buddy? You're going to own it. You need help, you call me. I got your back. We'll, we'll, we'll tag team it. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. Back to the text. Back to the text. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, this is a cool thing. He's tiptoeing on the water, doing his thing. I thought this was just a cool trick. Jesus kind of flexing a little bit, saying, look what I can do. It turns out there's a lot more to it. So hold on that for a minute. But that's a pretty cool thing. 26. When the disciples saw him, somebody say saw him. It's very important that they saw him hold on to that. When they saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Ah! But Jesus, that's how they talk. Um, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Peter sometimes said some dumb things. If it's you, who else would it be? Are there other, are there other miracle workers around town who can walk on water, who knew that they were in the middle of the lake in the middle of the night? Or is it one of five? Did he just guess? Of course it's Jesus. The point is this. 
Sometimes our situations in life make it difficult to recognize God's presence in our life. Because it's easy in this story to be like, of course it's Jesus. But you need to realize three things. One, there was a storm. Two, it was dark. And three, Jesus was delayed. Jesus was delayed. And they were tired too. They were rowing. I've seen some of y'all in the, in the gym doing the row. You know what I'm talking about? The boys pulled a double shift and then they rode into the middle of the lake. Okay, that's some cardio, man. That's some work. They were tired, disoriented, all over the place. But this is what this is all about. Jesus is asking, do you recognize me? The idea is this. Do you see who Jesus really is? You see, they struggled. They were fearful. They were worried because they didn't see him properly. And we struggle, we worry, we have issues because we don't see him properly either. It's all about seeing him. They, they thought they saw him. Is that him? Is that a ghost? Who is that? It's all about who is that? Who is that? You see, things will try to prevent you from seeing him clearly. Let me tell you about the storm. The storm prevented the disciples from seeing him clearly. Sometimes you have a storm in your life. You may have a storm right now. It could be a medical issue. It could be that financial thing you haven't told your spouse about yet that you really need to sit down and tell them. I don't know what the storm is, some diagnosis you just got. It could be darkness. Remember, it was dark. It's the middle of the night. They couldn't really see. They couldn't figure out what was happening. You may have darkness in your life right now. There may be evil. There may be some, something going on, and it's making you question, is God there? Is he real? Who is that God? The third thing it could be is delays. Jesus waited till just before dawn. He didn't come right away. He waited a long time. Some of y'all have turned from God because God isn't operating on the timeline you'd expect. You're thinking, I should have been married by now. I should have been healed by now. I should have finished that degree by now. I should have got that promotion by now. I love you. It's hard to say, but the Almighty doesn't go by your calendar. He doesn't always go by your timelines. He's not gone. He's just delayed. Jesus took his time. I wanted to tell you, does anything about this seem that Jesus is out of control? He showed up exactly when he intended to. If a delay is troubling you, may I remind you, his perspective from eternity is a little clearer than ours. Let's trust him in the storm, in the darkness, and in the delays. I want to ask you this, church. Do you see him as a concept or as a reality? When you see him, what you, is he a concept to you? Is he just an idea that makes me feel good? Or is he a reality? Do you see him as a nice guy who encourages you or the almighty who you bow your knee to? Do you see him as one who recharges me for the week? Or do you see him as the Lord of your life? How you see him changes everything. Who is that? Is that, a, is that him? Is that a ghost? Who is that out there? It's all about how you see him. See, we only experience healing. We only experience full life. We only experience newness when we see him as he really is, not how you'd like him to be. If we see him as Lord, we will experience him as Lord. If we see him as God, we will experience him as God. If we see him as just an encourager, just to pick me up, just something to get me through the week, we will never experience real life change. We got to make it real. He's real. He's there. How do you see him? How do you see him? Then Peter got down out of the boat. 
He walked on the water and came toward Jesus 30. But when he saw, somebody say he saw. When he saw, it's all about seeing. When he saw the wind, ooh, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. See, when he sees Jesus, he's good. When he's focused on Jesus, he's good. When he sees him, he's good. But the second we take our eyes off him and start looking at the waves, looking at the wind, looking at that, am I ever going to get that job? Am I ever going to go back to school? Am I going to be lonely the rest of my life? Am I ever going to have those questions answered? The second we take our eyes off him and start looking at the what ifs, we begin to sink. Every one time you take a look at the wind, you take a look at the waves, you take a look at a, what if this happens? I want you to take five looks at your savior. That's the, that's the ratio you got to have one to five. It's possible. Peter was doing it. He was doing some miraculous. He was walking on water, but the second he shifted focus, he began to sink. Every one time you start to think, what if, that, what if that medical report's bad? I want you to stop and take five looks as your savior. Every one time you, you start to think, what if, what if I'm single for the rest of my life? What if I'm lonely for the rest of my life? I want you to take five looks at your savior. Every time you look at that bank account and say, how on earth am I going to pay these bills? What am I going to do with this? Stop and take five looks at your savior. No wonder you feel like you're sinking. No wonder you feel like you're drowning because you were staring at the wind and the waves and you're ignoring Jesus Christ who is right in front of you. He's right there. He's right there. It's fun to pick on Peter a little bit, but we do the same thing. I do the same thing. It's so easy to look at him and say, those waves are pretty big. Wind's pretty loud. Y'all experienced that on the way in today a little bit. It's easy to do. For every one look, you take at the wind and the waves. Take five, it's your savior. 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He was right there. He reached it out and he grabbed him and he pulled him up. He said, you have a little faith. He said, why did you doubt? I wanted you to see this. Even when you fail, even when you fall, even when you do take your eyes off him, I want you to know he's still within an arm's reach. He's still within an arm's reach. Some of y'all think he sent you to your room or he walked away from you because you didn't measure up and he is gone. I came to tell you, even when you're right in front of him and you fail, he's still within an arm's reach. I wanted you to see one interaction, one touch, one little interaction from Jesus Christ can pull you from the darkness, can silence your fears, can shut up those doubts, can give you full life. It can drown out the doubts, one touch. And I came to remind you, he's closer than you might think. He's right there. He's an arm's length away. That should encourage you. When I see y'all worshiping, some of y'all worship with your hands up. That's what I think of. You're not reaching up to heaven somewhere. No, he's right in front of you. You're, he, you're, you're just success. You're, he's right there. You're not reaching up saying, oh God, you're somewhere. No, he's right in front of us. Where are your hands reaching? Where are they reaching? 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. The storm was still. Everything was fine. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. They saw him as he was. They got it. It clicked. They said, truly, you are the son of God. Now that's seeing him as clearly as you could possibly see him. 
There's a formula I want to teach you today. It's very simple. I want you to take it with you. It's simply this. Recognize Jesus. Receive rest. When you recognize him as he is, truly, they say, you are the son of God. When you recognize him as he is, that and only that will cause you to rest. Recognize Jesus. Receive rest. Turn your neighbor and tell him, tell him real good. You better recognize. You're not saying it right. You're saying you better recognize. I said you better recognize. That's it. I'm going to work on it. We're going to get there. Recognize Jesus. Receive rest. But I don't want to stop here. Let's dig a little deeper. Do you see who he is here? We don't quite see who he is unless we look at the full context of scripture because it's easy to miss. But Jesus did some things. The disciples were like, oh man, you truly must be the son of God. To understand what Jesus is showing us about himself, we we have to look back to Genesis 1 and 2. That's creation. Why is he walking on water? Why is he doing all this? Genesis 1.1. This is creation. This is the first verse in the Bible. Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty darkness. Somebody say darkness. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Genesis 2, 2. So God creates everything with the word of his power. Everything's created. And then this happens. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. There's four elements in the creation account that we also see in this account in Matthew, which is Matthew's just screaming at us to get it. But sometimes we don't see. Sometimes we say, is he a ghost? Who is he? Jesus is revealing something very important about himself. Four things that link these passages. One, there's darkness. There's darkness. God's people, we are in darkness. There's darkness at creation. There's darkness with the disciples in the storm. Next up, God comes to his people walking on the water. Above the water. That's why Jesus is above the water. It's not a party trick, even though it is pretty cool. Okay. It's a cool thing. But what he's showing us, he's taking us back to Genesis and saying, look, at creation, God moved above the water. Here I come to you. God incarnate. I too move above the water to you in your situation shrouded in darkness. The third thing we see is God is working. You got to see Jesus is working. He's healing. He's doing miracles. He's doing teaching. He's working. He's doing something to his people. And the fourth thing we see in both passages is there's rest. God rests at creation. What was Jesus doing? What was he trying to do? He was trying to rest. These four things, there's darkness. There's God above the waters. The waters in those days represented the storm, the chaos, this untamable presence. God just walks right across it not afraid of it. It shows that God, our creator, is above the chaos that the world has to offer. He's above it. Jesus is showing us this. This is what he's saying. Scripture is saying that he is the creator, returned to restore his broken creation. Returned to restore his broken creation. Here to lift us up from the waves and to heal our brokenness. You see, God created us in paradise. We said, I think I can do it better. I don't need you. Forget you. I'm going to do it my own way. We turned from him in sin and we ended up desperate, dark, dying. Jesus loves you so much. God sent his son into the world to redeem us, to bring us out of this creation. That's why Jesus is healing us. That's why he's speaking life. That's why he's teaching us. He is the creator who has come to redeem, to restore, to rebuild, and to recreate us, his creation. 
He's coming to finish the work. That's who he is. I want to ask you, do you recognize him? That's what it's all about. Do you see who it is? Jesus is saying, can you just hear me saying, do you recognize me? Do you see who I am? I am the one who rests. I am the one who gives you rest. I'm the only one who gives your soul rest. I'm the one who comes to redeem you, restore you, rebuild you. And I am the only one who can pull you up from the waves. He's saying, do you see who I am? I want to ask you in this place, do you see who he is? You got to personalize it. Not generically. I saw this thing on the History Channel one time, but I want to ask you, do you see who he is? If you do, you'll get rest. That rest you've been longing for, an answer to that anxiety and stress. If you do, you'll get rest. If you see who he is, you'll get pulled up from the ways. If you see who he is, you actually will be made whole. That's what he offers us as a sheer act of grace. 34, when they had crossed over, let's finish there. And this gets me a little fired up. Excuse me if I get excited. 34, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, say it, say it, you better recognize. When they recognized him, when they saw him, when they said, oh, that's who you are. I get it now. Look what happened. They sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Look how this ends. They saw him. They recognized him. It clicked. They got it. And they received rest. They received stillness. They received wholeness that only our God can provide. And don't miss this. Here's also what I want you to see in this passage. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. There's so much going on. It's so easy to miss it. Look what happened. Jesus had to reach out his hand to save Peter. Peter didn't earn it. Peter didn't deserve it. Jesus didn't say, "Ah, ah, ah, you try a little harder, maybe next time. No, no, no. It was a sheer act of grace. Jesus reached out his hand to pull up Peter. And don't forget, one of the reasons why Jesus withdrew is because he knew his death was coming. His death on a cross was coming. Just like John, Jesus knew his death was coming too. And here's what I don't want you to miss. Jesus Christ reached his hand out to save Peter on the cross. He had to reach not one, but two hands out to save you and to save me. Also, as a sheer act of grace, not pulling Peter up from the ways, but pulling me up and you and you and you and everyone in this room. He saw us sinking, desperate in the storm, in the darkness. And as an act of sheer grace, he pulls us up. Y'all, both here and on the cross, Jesus entered into a storm. Jesus entered into darkness and reaches his hand out to save us. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. May we look upon Jesus. And as we do, may we hear him say, do you recognize me? I am the one who rests. I am the one who gives you rest. And I am the only one who can pull you up from the waves. Church, I came to tell you, his hand is outreached towards you. He's right there. His hand is outstretched. What are you going to do? Are you going to take it? That's my challenge for you today. If you're sinking, if you're in the storm, 
If you're in the dark, just know this, that the Son of God, his hand is outstretched. And let me ask you, will you take it to stay? Let us pray. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact the city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.